1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homeshef.com slash locked on. That's homechefcom slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homeshef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: We break down the 2023 NHL draft and talk about what the Kings might be looking for with a special guest next on this edition of Locked On LA Kings.
1: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, Please like and subscribe if you are enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for the past 30 years, 20-plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network, also co-host of the Puck Podcast. It's a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and, of course, a passionate LA Kings fan for 30 years. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started it is a big week in the nhl obviously with the entry draft coming up first round coming up on wednesday rounds two through seven on thursday and unless something changes for the la kings uh it will be focused on thursday because as it stands right now all the kings picks are on day number two to join us and break down the 2023 nhl draft and specifically some questions about the la kings is today's special guest Uh, His name is Hadi Kawakesh. He is a scout and prospect analyst and the host of Locked on NHL Prospects. Hadi, I know it's a very busy time for you. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it.
2: No worries at all. Uh, Listen, you're you're number 13 on the list so far this week. So been a busy time, but I'm always glad to come up and talk about prospects, especially for this year's draft, which, you know, a year in the making, been prepping really well for that. So yeah, uh, shoot away. (laughs)
0: Well, obviously, uh, I've got some very specific questions as it relates to the Kings, but I do want to ask you some general questions about the 2023 draft, because frankly, I think most Kings fans are not very knowledgeable on amateur hockey, and I'm including myself on this, because look, we have no junior hockey teams here, we have no Division I college hockey teams in California, so with that in mind, what kind of draft is this in terms of depth, impact players available, compared to recent drafts?
2: Well. It's night and day compared to last year. So last year was a pretty kind of spread out draft. Um, This one's pretty deep. I'd say there's about 40, 45, maybe even 50 first round talents in this year's draft. Um, But the the flip side of that is that the upside is a lot higher in the top 10. And there's a steep drop off after that. Um, But really, this top 10 trumps a lot of top 10s in recent years. Uh, Really, really solid talent in the top 10, maybe 12, 13 as well. Um, A center's draft really at the top end. Uh, with the likes of obviously Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson. There's there's some top line center options up there. Um, and, you know, it was touted as kind of not the best defenseman's draft, but that's changed over the year. Uh, there were a couple of risers, you know, guys like David Reinbacher, who were kind of nobodies before the draft year um, and now are, are flirting with top 10 contention, guys like Dmitry Simishev, Axel Sandy Pelika. So, not too bad for defensemen. And for netminders, I'd say you're getting most of your value at the at the earliest at the start of the second round, uh, but there's still a couple of decent options there.
0: Well, definitely want to get more into that because the Kings have need in their organization uh, in the goaltending position. Uh, I know last year was a a big year for Slovakia in the draft. Uh, yeah. We've seen like Switzerland has been up and coming over the years as far as prospects available. Is there are there any certain countries uh, this year that maybe you're sending some players out there that normally you know weren't heard from in the past?
2: Well, I mean, definitely the Slovaks have uh, had a decent year again, not to the quality of what we saw last year. that Last year was probably the, the best draft they've ever had. Um, but really in terms of, you know, Dalibor Dvorsky, Andre Molnar, um, guys like Alex Chernik, you know, in, in the later kind of half of the first round and maybe even the start of the second, there's a couple really decent options. Um, and even in terms of high upside, pick, uh, high floor picks, rather, there's guys like Maxim Strabak, uh and, and guys like that that are pretty interesting for Slovakia. But I'd say you know mainly it's a very very WHL draft uh this year the dub is very big in this year's draft a lot of the the first round picks that i have are from the WHL and rightfully so it's been a fantastic year for them draft year wise in terms of countries pretty spread out um but really in terms of leagues it's the WHL by a decent by a decent margin
0: i always chuckle a little bit but i totally get it you know they people want an instant analysis you know on friday who's the winners and losers and that kind of thing when You know, we really can't judge what these players are going to do for years down the line. I have a general rule, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. To me, if I say five years from when you're drafted. And of course, there's different ages and different things. But I say five years after you're drafted. If you haven't scratched the surface of being an NHL player, it's probably not going to happen. When you're looking at judging a draft class, how far do you generally go back to judge whether a, a player is a hit or a miss?
2: It's very volatile. It really depends on the profile of player. If you've got a very physically ready player who has to made the NHL five years from now, you, more often than not, it's really just a matter of their skill set not being good enough or their awareness or their, their reaction time not being quick enough, that kind of thing. Uh, and at that point, you can kind of write them off. But for smaller players, I give a kind of larger span of time for defensemen as well, and especially, especially for netminders. Netminders need a lot of time to get up to par in terms of NHL quality. So there are guys that six, seven, eight years after they're drafted, uh, make their NHL debut and become decent NHLers. So um, netminding-wise, it's it's pretty much wide open and never write off a goalie. Uh, but defensemen, a bit more time. Uh, and the bigger guys, within three, four years, you kind of know what you're getting because they're physically ready. They're physically mature. And it's very rare for a player to improve their skill set past that. It also depends on, on uh, you know, birthday in terms of players or players who are born, you know, I'm thinking of a guy like Felix Ungersorum, who's in my early second round, who was literally born a day before the cutoff for this year's draft. Um, if he was born a day later, he'd be the oldest player in the 2024 draft, but instead he's the youngest player in this draft, so I'm giving him a bit more patience because he's a year behind on a lot of players. Um, whereas if a guy's born in October, September 2004, um, one of the oldest players in this draft, more runway uh, and more, t- um, and, you know, less runway rather and less time to develop their game into what their maximum will be. So there's a lot of variables, but I'd say the main thing I look at is if you're a big guy, physically ready, physically built and and physically mature, I'm thinking of a guy like Colby Barlow. Colby Barlow, within three years, we know he, what he's going to be more or less because he already looks like a 30-year-old. He looks like he owns a mortgage. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Uh, is there any kind of trends right now as far as drafting, I don't know u s. college players, or are there any you know, are there are things going on in the world as we know uh, with Russia? are there any are there any trends as far as maybe looking to steer away from certain areas or anything like that you could share with us?
2: well, I, I know for sure that a lot of teams are concerned about the situation in Russia. I'm not too much. I think Russia's got bigger fish to fry than to keep players in their own country. Um, You know, there's this big concern around Matt Michkov and him potentially not even being allowed to leave the country. I don't think that's really a, a problem. And there's a lot of that going on right now, even small things like we saw earlier reports of Matt Michkov supposedly being evasive and not really being available for interviews and all that. I think he was in Bahrain on, on vacation and that really was all it was. So I feel like there's a lot of panic going around, going on around Russia, and that could lead to some players dropping when they shouldn't. Um, you know, Mishkov, Simishev, etc. There's a lot of quality in Russia, and I feel like we could see a steep drop in, in the talent that comes over from Russia, um, you know, in terms of where they get picked in this year's draft. Obviously, the NCAA is a really good kind of barometer for whether or not a player is ready. I'm thinking of Adam Fantilli, Gavin Brindley, Matthew Wood. A lot of players like that who are playing in the NCAA already uh, at a level where they're facing 22, 23, 24-year-olds, basically grown men. So you can already see kind of the inklings of what they would look like at the pro level. It's kind of one less variable to worry about. You know, the difference between Fantilli and Will Smith is Fantilli, we already know what he's going to do against men, whereas Will Smith will only know next year. So there's a bit, a tiny bit more uncertainty, which kind of dissipates when it comes to NCAA players. So that's one thing that I feel like teams are going to take into consideration and just be like, you know, we're a bit more certain about this guy's projectability because we already know what he's doing against grown men, whereas a guy like Will Smith is is only playing really against similar age competition. He's not playing above his age group. So there's really kind of less certainty about that profile. So I think that's another thing that plays into where players get picked.
0: We're going to get specifically into the LA Kings and the 2023 draft in just a second here on Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. This episode of Locked On LA Kings brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more by checking out FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is $2,500 back in a bonus bet. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel has great uh, promotions every day. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all sports than America's number one sportsbook. Visit fanduelcom on. To get your no sweat first bet up to $2,500, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit,
0: We've got more with Heidi Kalakash, scout draft analyst and host of Locked on NHL Prospects. Want to get specific into uh, the Los Angeles Kings for our audience. And uh, I did want to ask you, uh, Mark Yannetti is the longtime director of amateur scouting for the Kings. He's been in that position for many, many years. was wondering, is there a reputation uh, in the scouting community as far as what the L.A. Kings do draft wise? Is it a positive reputation or is there anything you could comment on how the Kings are viewed when it comes to drafting players?
2: Everything I've heard about the the Kings' scouting philosophy and scouting mindset and the players are, they've picked has always been solid. Um, not afraid to trade up, not afraid to trade down. Um, they come into the draft with specific targets in mind um, more often than not, which is pretty interesting. A lot of teams just kind of go, okay, well, who's going to be available where we pick, and and that's what, you know they, they go based on that. They go in with a list. I feel like you, you know it's less of a draft list, list with uh, LA and, le- and more of a shopping list where they're they're searching for specific players or specific profiles of players, and they kind of study the market, understand where that player is potentially going to go and either trade up or trade down accordingly. thinking of guys like Samuel Fagamo, who they picked up um, a couple of years ago by trading up, I believe, uh, in the draft. That landed him a decent kind of option uh, with Fagamo, a great goal scorer, that kind of thing. So yeah, the the reputation with uh, Yaneni and and just the, the LA Kings scouting philosophy in general, from what I've heard in the industry, is pretty solid.
0: Now, the Kings don't have a first-round pick. Uh, unfortunately, as you've said, there are some very good talent uh, in the first round, so they're going to miss out on that. Um, they traded away their first-round pick in the Vladislav galvokov Jonas Corpasalo deadline deal. Uh, Kings have uh, one selection in each of the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds going into this draft. Uh, when you don't have a first-round pick, and maybe you kind of answered this already, but is the, your philosophy, would, would it be just best available or as an organization, do you try and predict areas of need down the road?
2: I mean, honestly, in the first round, I'm always in the best player available mindset. But outside of that, that's when you kind of start to address needs because a lot of players, you know, my, my tiers get wider and wider as the draft goes down. So, you know, I already have a tier from 25 to 46 in in my draft rankings. And from there, it's from the fifties all the way down to maybe the seventies or eighties. And then when you get there, it's pretty much wide open. A lot of players are similar in terms of upside or really similar in terms of certainty. So you kind of go, well, what do we need right now? Do we need bottom, bottom of the lineup entertainers, or do we need to take a big swing and try to get a guy who's high risk, high reward? Um, you know, I, I'm always the swing for the fences type of guy. I think that if you're not taking risks, if you're just trying to, you know, pick up any chellers here and there that you could pick up in free agency on league men or maybe a mill or two, I mean, what are you doing? The draft is the the point of the draft is to kind of, that's where you swing for the fences and, and land, you know, high value picks on, on you know, in, in lower rankings. So, you know, in, in terms of philosophy, I think that it's always smarter to go for the highest upside player outside of the first round because, um, you know, maybe in the second round you take a couple swings on some guys who are you know certain NHLers but don't have the highest upside but once you hit the third fourth fifth sixth round it's just a matter of risk assessment and I feel like there's going to be some players first that are going to slip I'm thinking guys like Jaden Perron uh, you know other guys like that Denver Barkey players who are a bit more undersized but have more upside have the potential to be a first or second line player Uh, so that's kind of the direction that I would go personally but I understand if the LA Kings are comfortable with the amount of you know, prospects they have in the pool because, you know, there's a lot of value both in terms of young NHLers and, you know, guys who are working their way up, Brian Clark, you know, Quentin Byfield, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, if they want to take a swing on a guy like a, an Oliver Bonk or or you know, one of those more safe, you know, dependable players who are definitely going to be NHLers but don't have the upside of guys like Noah Dara Nielsen or Roman Kanserov uh in those later on in those later rounds, I think that's a decent bet. It really depends on what they have. And I feel like the Kings have enough upside in the pool already that you know they can, you know, they can have the liberty of just going for sure bet NHLers.
0: So with that fifty fourth overall selection, again, just generally speaking, what kind of player do you think they're looking
2: to get? I think you know, adding some some certainty to defense could help them a lot. I love Brandt Clark; I think he's great value. Uh, outside of that, I struggle to see many um, kind of sure bet NHLers that have upside. Uh, on you know, on, on their defense core. So I think just, you know, filling out their defense core with guys like Tanner Molen like, you know, Oliver Bonk, like, um, you know, even a guy like Maxime Sterbach, who is pretty much the most sure bet defensive defenseman that you can get. He's a pure shutdown guy, but also has kind of a bit of smarts. So you have something to build off of and kind of develop, you know, guys like that who will make your NHL lineup down the line, who will make your scouts look good. But also, you know, with the value that you have, you know, why not go for a guy who's going to be an NHLer? because otherwise the high risk, high reward mindset is really more for the teams that lack upside in their, uh, in their pool. And the, the Kings certainly don't.
0: The Kings currently have two goalies under contract in the entire organization. Uh, yeah. maybe without getting any specific names at the moment, what does the goaltending position look like draft wise this year?
2: I like the. I have maybe I have two guys that I think would be good options at the in the early first round, in the early second round rather. And if they drop to the Kings' pick, I would definitely jump on that bandwagon. I'm thinking of Michael Crawball, who's six six, two hundred pounds, really composed, really poised, pretty athletic, um, pretty technical as well. Covers his posts well, um, but you know he's he's kind of got that prototypical big guy mindset where he drops early, trusts his shoulders to cover the the, the top of the net and you know, that kind of thing. So it does need some tweaking, but he's going to a good program in UMass. So that would be one guy I'd consider there. But for me, the best goaltender in this draft is Trey Augustine of the NTDP. Um, he, there's not a better skater among schoolies in this draft is his mobility and, and the way that he shuffles and positions his feet is really, really solid. Um, great reaction times as well. Great composer and technique. He does need to work on his puck tracking, but of the goalies in this draft, he has the highest upside, and I think he's going to be taking af- taken after Hrabel because he's 6'1", 175, 180 pounds, so pretty small for a goalie, but he's perfectly adapted to his size, in my opinion. So I think I think in terms of upside, you're getting really good value here. I'm thinking of a caliber of a caliber and style of a UC Soros, whereas Hrabel reminds you a bit more of a Devin Dubnik. Um, so, you know... If the the Kings want to swing for upside with a goalie, I'd definitely go for Augustine, and I think he's very well going to be available at 45.
0: Uh, We'll have more with Hadi Kalakesh and the 2023 NHL Draft here in just a second on Lockdown LA Kings, your team every day. And there is still time, by the way, to check out our Locked On NHL 2023 mock draft special. Local hosts on the Locked On NHL channel made their picks and our NHL scout, who you may know, Hadi Kalakesh, right here, is breaking down all the selections. Uh, It's three shows covering the entire first round of the draft. Check it out on Locked On NHL on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. A couple more questions uh, for Hadi Kalakesh. Should the Kings take a goalie with their first pick? in the second round, or is there value and depth at the position that they could still get a quality prospect later in the draft?
2: I think there's a pretty, you know, in terms of quality, I'd say really there's three guys that I consider at the top end. So there's obviously Trey Augustine and Michael Hrabble, who we discussed already, and Jacob Fowler, who's up there as well. Um, really smart as a goalie, really technical, like his style. After that, the street there's a steep drop-off, though. So especially, you know... If Augustine and Hrabal are off the board by the time they pick, you know, wait, there, there, there are going to be options in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round that are worth it. But if Hrabal or Augustine are available at 45, that's the pick in my opinion, especially with the lack of goaltender depth in the pool. I've got them at 38th and 40th, uh, Augustine and Hrabal respectively. So if they fall to 45, that's excellent value. Um, There might be some better value picks, guys I have in my first round that might be available, but for me based on need and especially based on the position of the pick itself it's it's a great fit um but again if they're not available there are going to be options that are high risk high reward in the third fourth fifth sixth round that could very well be a pick, be worth a pick
0: obviously i you know i scan these names and they're frankly for me they're just names but one of them did catch my eye uh steven peck Mm -hmm. Because of where he's from, Uh, he was uh, out of Avon Old Farms in Connecticut, the same school that produced a guy named Jonathan Quick back in the day for the LA Kings. And uh, I did see a few mock drafts that had the Kings actually selecting him. We'll see about that. Um, I did want to ask you real quick, if you don't mind. um, The Kings did pick up a goalie recently from the Buffalo Sabres in Eric Portillo. Uh, He decided after his career at the University of Michigan, he didn't want to sign in Buffalo. And the Kings were able to swap a third round pick for his rights and they ended up signing him. Is there anything you could tell us about? Eric Bortillo, who's the only other goalie other than Phoenix Copley, is currently on a contract with the Kings.
2: Yeah, I mean, the composure on him is really high-end. Really, really composed and and, and calm in that. Um, Loves to kind of anticipate play, you know, get ahead of stuff and understand what's going on before it happens. Uh, His stint at the University of Michigan was solid, especially last year. He was one of the best goaltenders in the uh, NCAA this year has been a bit rougher, uh, especially having to compensate for a couple of guys who left the, uh, the Michigan pool, um, thinking of uh, a certain guy named Nick Blankenberg who signed with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's over, he was a really, really solid defensive option for them, and he was gone. Luke Hughes was their most utilized defenseman, and as we know, Hughes is very offensive-leaning, which left a couple holes um, on rush chances, and that's kind of where Portillo struggles the most is defending the rush. Um, you know, kind of gets aggressive, misses some some options in terms of cross ice passes, and gets beat easily that way. So he's definitely a goalie that needs a lot of tweaking and work. Um, but I feel like he could be a decent option down the road, especially with some work on his on his skating, on his mobility, on um, you know his his post to post movement, all that stuff. Um, definitely needs some tweaks, but I feel like he's got kind of that fringe first uh, fringe starter kind of uh, upside to him. So I don't think you'll get a pure bona fide starter out of portillo but a guy who can stop you know hop in net and maybe play 35 40 games for you in a season uh would be kind of realistic for him
0: i I know that with the college players obviously you're getting more experienced guys who could be nhl ready sooner rather than later is there any issue though with some of these players who kind of feel like i'm going to play my college career and then become a free agent kind of at the end of it is there any is there any uh hesitation amongst drafting some of those college players at any point because of that
2: not if you're la a uh, very desirable market to play in. I don't think that's going to be a concern. I'd, I'd be more concerned about teams like Winnipeg and Columbus mm-hmm. and Arizona picking up those NCAA um you know those NCAA options just because they're not desirable markets and the freedom that is allocated to um, you know players that come out of the NCAA is pretty enticing. I'm thinking of Adam Fox who basically forced his way to New York yeah. um, didn't want to play for any other team. You know, L.A., like I said, very, very desirable market. It's always sunny. It's always beautiful. Beaches and, uh, you know, state-of-the-art, uh, you know, rink as well and all that stuff. It's a very, very desirable market. So if I'm the Kings, I'm not worried at all about picking an NCAA guy because I know that I'll, I'll, I'll have the assets as an organization to and entice them to sign.
0: I want to close it out by just asking about a couple of very high-profile recent L.A. Kings draft picks. You mentioned Brant Clark we're all mm-hmm. we're very excited to see him uh yeah. we assume you know this coming season is there any doubt in your mind he's NHL ready this season
2: not at all I mean he could very well submit to an NHL lineup and and do a good job do, would he benefit from a full year in the AHL to work out his game and improve that um that defensive ability sure. But, you know, the skating's come a very long way. I was really concerned about his skating ability in his draft here. He was pretty mobile, but not very quick, not very agile, not not a lot of acceleration to his game. Um, but that's really improved as the year's gone on. Watching him this year in Barry was absolutely fantastic. Um, he was one guy who I really kind of honed in on as, you know, definitely the best de- defenseman in the OHL this year. Uh, and that's saying something given the crop that's there. But really just... The offensive acumen, the intelligence, the awareness, the distribution, the the breakout passing. There's so many different areas of his game that are solid already that I would be pretty secure in you know having him see an NHL lineup this year. Maybe not full time because he does need a bit of work, um, but definitely seeing seeing at least half the season in the NHL would benefit him. I think.
0: And finally, Quentin Byfield has been a very polarizing player here in LA. When you're the second overall pick, there's obviously huge expectations. But as you talked about, t- you know, taking time, he's a, he's a bigger kind of gangly guy. And I think the 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 word coming out of the draft was he was going to take more time. Yeah. And there, you know, patience appears to be wearing thin amongst some fans. Uh, is it, it in your mind? He's 20 years old still. As uh, they still you know, hold off. Before we crush the judgment on Quentin Byfield, or are there some legitimate concerns about his lack of production?
2: I want you to, you know, if you're a Kings fan and you're skeptical, a uh, spectacle about uh, about Quentin Byfield, I want you to save this. Um, by the time he's 24, he's going to be the best player on the Kings. Uh, I have very little doubt about that. He is electric with the puck. You rarely see a big guy like him move the way he does and, and have the awareness with the puck that he does. It's flashes right now because he's struggling to keep up in terms of his skating uh, with the NHL. He's always had kind of a very hunched-over stance, and that's because of his size, and that was always a concern for me. But I've been less and less concerned with that because players with – you know not everyone has a perfect stance in the NHL. Not everyone has a perfect posture in terms of skating or the perfect stride depth or the perfect you know crossover usage or et cetera. But players make it work and Byfield has the intelligence to make it work. I'm very, very confident in his ability to up his game by the time he's 24, 25 and become the the top line pivot that I know he can be at the NHL level.
0: Great stuff. That is Hadi Kawakesh. He is your host of Locked on LA. Or excuse me. He's your host of, of <laughs> NHL Prospects, Locked on NHL Prospects. Yep. Uh, you can check out his show Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hadi, thank you so much. I, again, I know it's a very busy time for you this time of the year, but it's also a very exciting time as well. Appreciate your insight on everything. And uh, thank you so much. Enjoy the draft.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I know I did and feel a little bit smarter about what's going on with the NHL draft and for the LA Kings. So for you, everydayers, those of you that listen and watch every day uh, coming up on uh, the show this week, we're going to have a full breakdown, obviously of what the Kings do at the NHL draft. And of course, coming up on our Friday show, as always, it's our Friday fan feedback show. So any comments you have on today's interview or what the Kings do at the NHL draft or anything else that's happened this week with the Kings, you can send me an email locked on Eddie at gmail.com. E D D I E locked on Eddie at gmail.com. And to get those emails in. You can always leave your comments on the YouTube uh, episodes as well down below. Also, love for you to stay interactive with the show by following us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Locked On LA Kings. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thank you for listening and watching this episode of Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, go Kings, go.
1: Hey, Prime members.